welcome to Imagine Me and Mawari You, Penguin Drum. I am Panda. I am your host, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hey. <laughs> Hi. I was muted because I was trying to because I was trying to keep myself from humming along with the music, and now I look like a fool. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm do do I have to track down a version of the the new opening now? This is Rock Over Japan, so it, yeah, this it, is Rock Over Japan, so it's not even the opening. But we yeah. haven't had Rock Over Japan either. Anyway, I should introduce everybody before I before I start rambling. Um, I'm also <laughs> here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello, hello, and back again, Yasha. Hi, Yasha. Hi. Okay, so yeah, we haven't heard Rock Over Japan in a little while. We haven't had a. And I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah. I mean, well, the focus is off Himari for the moment, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it has only been like two or three episodes, but it just feels, I mean, I we also took a hiatus, so I guess it feels longer than that, but mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. I don't think you need to change it. <laughs> Besides, okay. like, what's the opening now is uh, Boys Come Back to Me? Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's a, a little less hummable, I think. Rock Over Japan is a banger. I know Cass is a big fan of the new opening. This is the first piece of music I heard from Penguin Drum, so I might be biased. Oh, interesting. How did yeah. you end up hearing that song then? Oh, the same way that anyone hears any song from an anime out of context. Desperately trying to find a song from a particular Ikuhara anime, which I think in this case was the Yurikuma opening. <laughs> and trying mm. to find the full version of that and then going... You know, I haven't heard anything from Ikuhara's other shows. Tick 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 tick. Oh, it's on YouTube. Click. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah, so I I've heard both of the openings of Penguin Drum before I had ever seen Penguin Drum. Oh, yeah, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I didn't consider it like a big deal to like talk sure. about. It's not like <laughs> I heard these openings and it changed my life forever. It was just, <laughs> well, yeah, I heard I heard the opening of that anime before. There were yeah. so many anime of which that's true. I still haven't seen Evangelion, and I. And I can hum the entirety of Cruel Angel's Wait. Thesis. And yet you're Wait. married to Alice. Yeah. Yes. This does not compute. Alice, what are you doing? <laughs> In my defense, like, there's a lot of anime that we have on a list of things we need to watch. And uh, there are lots of them that she hasn't seen that she needs to see and vice versa. <laughs> it's, it's on the list, I promise. My counterpoint is that the two of you probably haven't seen Gonkutsuo. No, that's true. Sure, but... <laughs> I had to pick between that and Sound of the Sky, and I picked Sound of, um, Sound of the Sky over... She was correct. Uh, very very <laughs> Alice choice. She was correct. Sound of the Sky was very good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about episode 15 of Moaru Penguin Drum. I don't remember what it is, and I didn't Google it. <laughs> Savior of the world. Savior of the world. Yeah. Yeah, and this picks up, well, I was going to say it picks up right after the previous episode, but that's not true. It happened, it starts off in media res of the previous episode, but from Shoma's perspective instead of from... Actually, I don't remember. I think this first shot is of something else entirely. At least the first shot. I, yeah, I need the very first shot, but then like once yeah. stuff actually starts to happen, it's yeah, it's with uh, Shoma and and his friend. Mm-hmm. This is taking place like 
directly after our stifled cries of horror. Yeah. yeah. Hooray! <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able to do this all in one go this time because it doesn't look like uh, Zencaster is doing server maintenance in the middle of our episode. Well, who knows what happened? I still maintain Zencaster was traumatized by the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Let's hope for Zencaster's sake this one's easier. Um... <laughs> oh boy, I sure hope the episode's easier, I say, grinning at you waiting for the play button to get hit. I like this episode more, and I think it's yeah. more interesting. Yeah. Uh, if that helps. That doesn't actually tell me anything. Let's get this started. Fair All enough. right. Not this foreboding. Sizzles. We start off and we see like sort of an abstract shot. It's like a mirror and then we see like a chisel and then we see specifically young Yuri Tokikago and then we just then get the new intro. intro. Yeah. I don't think that's a mirror. I think that's the window. I thought I said window. Maybe I said mirror. You said mirror. That's well, I okay. meant window. <laughs> uh, we get, I don't know. Is the intro entirely new? I did not realize this when I first saw this sequence, but that match cut from Yuri's foot there to what Tabuki's kissing, he's clearly kissing Momoka's shoe. Yeah, Momoka's shoe. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that was what was going on. That's creepy. I hope that isn't evidence of something. Um, well, yeah. Oh, oh boy, I love drum. It's a good and normal show. <laughs> I think we are past the point of good and normal. I mean, Every good, time that we say normal. anything about this show... I love how um, Yasha's just like, well, uh, well, it's always very encouraging. Yeah. Well, I'm not here to encourage you. You'd have to pay me for that. Okay, so (laughs) we start out with somebody placing a little toy penguin on the side of a wobbly tower. It looks like it's a sort of version of Jenga a little bit, but not quite. Like, it's just a wobbly tower game. Don't be depressed over being rejected by a girl. I won the Suzeron Street Raffle. <laughs> I never thought I'd score a Hot Spring Resort package. We saw some of this in the last episode, but not very much. Mm. I love this fucking nameless NPC who we never see the face of. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't know anything about this guy, but he's apparently, like, friends enough with Shoma to invite him to a resort weekend. By the way, I saw this hot chick in the hallway. And get this, she's right next door. I'm sure she's a celebrity. Must be traveling incognito. Penguin number two eating his heart out. Yep. As he should. And dude perving on whatever's happening on the other side of the wall. He speculates that the hot girl he saw was hooking up, going to be hooking up with her boyfriend in the room. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we call, this is a writing technique called dramatic irony in which the audience (laughs) swear in something that the characters are not. Yeah, exactly. So then we get the um, subway station board with uh, Shoma, Shinjuku Gyoen Station, near the station this afternoon. I may have said a horrible thing to her. I'm sure she was hurt by my words. May? May? Look, he's a teenage boy. He's trying. (laughs) Well, he's not trying very hard. Yes. And then we get a shot of Shoma walking away from Ringo while Ringo collapses into tears. It's very sad. I think making Ringo cry should be a crime punishable by death. Uh, It is in some countries. (laughs) Shoma, I'm going to get all messed up. It's all your fault. This is a message on his phone. And uh, that's it. If you would like to hear the message (laughs) again... (laughs) 
Chum is like, what the fuck? So he tries to call Ringo back. Meanwhile, his friend is just like... Why is he scissoring? Uh, he's like idly exercising. Okay, this is horrible because like the, the idle exercising just reminds me of episode Utena, 33 episode of 33. Utena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly where you were going with that. And you're right. It is like the same thing and it feels... Especially since, <laughs> especially since we know what's going on. Thank you for reminding me that happened. All things come back to episode 33 of Revolutionary Girl Utena with Yasha and Vana. It's true. It's true. I'm internally stuck there. The subtitle's not helping anything because it says I'm off to a world that a child like you could never comprehend. Which is almost uh, word for word something Akio says. Yeah. Yeah. Time to go to the adult world now. Yeah. The adult world is sexual assault. Yeah. And Shoma's like, what the fuck? I'm about to experience things that you can't even imagine, Ringo I, says. I'm not comfortable with this shot. And no. yeah, there's no reason to be comfortable with this shot because Ringo is clearly naked and tied up Shivari style. Yeah. Me turning to the camera. This was bad for everyone, including you. Yes. <laughs> I'm so grateful to the Scott Pilgrim guy for doing that fucking panel so that I can just reference it for the rest of my life now. (laughs) It was awful for everyone, even you. We get shots of who's someone who's probably Yuri smoothing out the bed. Yeah, because we see it cuts to Yuri's face, so. Thank you, Blue. You have to take better care of yourself. Shoma is trying to plead with her. Yep. Ringo, it is a bad idea to hook to hook up with Yuri, also you're drugged. I'm going to break out of my cocoon and become a beautiful butterfly, Ringo says. And that's giving Utena movie. Yeah. Me awkwardly turning to the to the character. Okay, first of all, that, that was Ringo talking and not Yuri, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ringo in this scene is very strange. How, like, things work, is is fucking Rohypnol supposed to do that? Or is this just a very I've never roofied title. anyone, so I don't know. Because, like, my impression is that, like, that stuff is mostly just you what are mostly like. and unconscious and nauseous. It may not actually specifically be that drug. Also, what a sound bite! <laughs> that's a that that's a pin tweet worthy right there. I've never roofied anyone, so I wouldn't know. the way Ringo acts like in this phone call and stuff like I kind of get the utility of it in the episode but it doesn't make sense for as a thing for her to say even if she is like weirdly out of her mind on drugs yeah like I kind of like I kind of see it I kind of see it because, like, she still hasn't quite gotten over the desire to become Momoka. And that seems to be what she's equating this to. Well, and that's what it's supposed to be. That's what Yuri is trying to do is, like, she's in the same way that Ringo tried or almost tried to make herself into Momoka through sexually assaulting Tabuki. Yuri is trying to make her into Momoka by sexually assaulting her. Yeah. But I still don't understand, like, I guess, I don't know. Do you Yeah. Yeah. These still feel like weird things for her to, like, be thinking and saying about this situation. I was about to say, it, it feels like a very weird thing to have happen. And also, how is she making this phone call? She's tied up. 
Yeah, like did did Yuri did Yuri do this? Did Yuri call Shoma's phone to fuck with him? No, Shoma called her after the um after he got the weird message from her. He called her, and uh, I guess Yuri answered the phone and set it beside Ringo. Or maybe like Ringo used her nose to. Uh, <laughs> like, what were the mechanics of this phone call? Uh me drugged dialing with my it's a nose storyline and yet i'm just stuck here going like i don't know by all new accounts it doesn't make sense it's so funny because we're like four minutes in and this has like barely any bearing on like any of the rest of the episode yep <laughs> not like that this scene doesn't but like any of the specifics that we have issues with and i think that's part of it is we're just supposed to go like okay that's weird well let's keep going <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I won't. I will nitpick because it's my podcast. <laughs> but we can keep going. Yes. Ringo calls Shoma a dummy when he's trying to convince her to get herself together and saying that he's heading her way. And and he's not in Tokyo, he realizes. And he thinks she is in Tokyo. Yeah, this is before he knows that she is in the other room because this is when his friend begins eavesdropping on the room next door using a glass to like magnify the sound which actually works i've done it but not in this situation whoa our neighbors are getting busy said the perv kid and over the course of this scene what's going to happen is the friend guy (laughs) is going to hear things said in the other room and repeat them and it's going to come right after things that are said on the phone call and so Shoma is going to put his two brain cells together and figure out that they are in the room next to him by some sheer cosmic coincidence yes okay Shoma you cannot make this this doofy anime expression over this (laughs) (laughs) you cannot and also I am uncomfortable with with the thrusting hips on NPC man I'll take you to Shangri-La of Love, the El Dorado of Pleasure. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick the Jabalba of my heart up your pussy. The El Dorado of Pleasure. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. And Shoma realizes they're next door and busts out of the room, running to the next room, flinging the doors open, and says, hold it right there, and realizes (laughs) that it's Yuri in there with Ringo. Oh my, she says, a gentleman should at least knock. Which is- really, we've got Fuck some you. really tasteful censorship of nudity <laughs> using like, first we've got Shoma's head and then we've got like Yuri's leg. Yeah. And um, Yuri says an iconic line in this horrible moment, which is who says women need men to find pleasure? <laughs> I'm mad that I didn't make an Atlantis joke because that would have been so much better. I just want to point out here that Ringo is doing the kitty mouth thing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kinda. yeah. Oh my God, why? I know. It's <laughs> Ringo's, Ringo's you, you know, know what, what is, is mine. mine. <laughs> really? Fuck you. Whoever wrote this episode. Oh my God, really? Whoever wrote this episode deserves a reward. What you, Yara? Really? Yeah, so Shoma slips on an empty bottle and falls and hits his head. <laughs> <laughs> but up, up, but up, up. 
we find out the reason that there are empty bottles all over the floor is because Penguin Number Two is drinking a bunch of beverages and throwing yep. the bottles everywhere. Ringo's still doing the kitty mouth thing. Oh. Yuri mocks Shoma for being the knight in shining armor coming to Ringo, the princess's rescue. Yeah, you're right, Ikuhara. How dare that I have any hope that anything good would happen. If only I had the desire to be wanted by others, the naivety to demand others see me as who I am. You know that there's this quote that is happening to me in real life right now, which is, uh, history happens twice. Uh, first is tragedy, and then is farce, and it's happening right here in front of me. This <laughs> it was the first time as tragedy, and this is the second time as farce. Yep. Yuri, the room where that tower can be seen, the ugly duckling play. I love Daddy. Because he's an artist, I'm willing to do anything for him. We're getting a flashback! Tragic backstory time! Hooray! Oh boy, I can't wait to empathize with the character I've spent two episodes now hating. <laughs> We hear Yuri, like, sort of narrating to herself, I'll never be free as long as that tower still stands. And the tower in question, we see it's like a giant Michelangelo's David, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Looming over the city, and it's clearly like a building because it's got, like, windows and stuff, like, in various parts of the body. Mm-hmm. And then we see a hammer hitting a chisel on some stone and a bunch of uh, armless statues. Armless lady statues. Okay, can we go back? Hold on a second. There was a medal there. Mm-hmm. Alice, do you recognize that medal? You're the one of us who is most likely to know what the fuck that was. Hmm. That looks like a bunch of things, but the star throwing me off. To answer your question, I have no idea. It reminds me a little bit of the Order of the Rising Sun, but it doesn't look like that, so I have no idea. I mean, it could just be, like, a made-up pastiche. Oh, shit, I do actually know what that is. What is it? Oh? It's, like, Order of Sacred Treasure or something? Oh my god, is this the fucking living national treasure thing? Okay, yeah, same rank as the Order of the Rising Sun. Yes, it's the long-term public service one. Ah! Uh, Did they give it to him because he made a good building? Yeah, this is um th- this is specifically the Order of the Sacred Treasure, which is an old Meiji thing that is carried forward to the modern day. It's basically a they have the Order of the Rising Sun. That's a military thing. This is an, a civilian equivalent. It's given to people who have done something big, like education wise, research wise, social welfare, government work, stuff that's extremely dangerous. It's like a medal of honor, but for civilians. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's pretty prestigious. Yeah. I knew I recognized that design. And we see the father working on more armless, headless statues. That one looked like Winged Victory. I was going to say that that is Winged Victory that he's working on right now. All of his statues are very clearly like based on pre-existing famous statues. You haven't enjoyed Hamlet till you've read it in the original Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) And small Yuri is looking on as her father asks, do you like beautiful things, Yuri? And she says, yes, daddy. Then do you like your daddy who makes beautiful things? And Yuri says, of course I do. And father says, I feel the same way, or rather, I can only love beautiful things. After all, I am an artist. Yuri, why are you so ugly? Okay, hold up. What the fuck, my dude? That is a perfectly normal and attractive looking small girl. Yeah, that's 
looks like what Yuri's thinking as well. Uh, we get a shot of her face and she's just looking horrified and crestfallen. She looks like a normal kid! She is making the exact face that I made when I saw this scene for the first time. So I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Like... Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Dad. I'm an anime protagonist. She is an extremely normal-looking child in she, an she's anime. She's not just a normal-looking child. Let's be more direct here. She is drawn with the exact character design of the girl who is supposed to be the top-of-the-class popular one. That's in the fair. Mm-hmm. Girl anime. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's fair. Such a weird thing. I, I'm, I'm just having visions of that one character from Pro ZD. Is like this world is imperfect. <laughs> <laughs> she was beautiful as me literally that guy's a dad and his dad continues on with his villain speech uh <laughs> he says the ugly are loved by no one surrounded by venus de milos yep mm-hmm. just look at your mother your mother became uglier by the minute after she gave birth to you okay. oh that's why God. she could oh, no longer live in this house and ended up like that and we see a picture with a crack uh, I mean, like, shatter marks over the face. It's clearly Yuri's mother. Okay, so, to be clear here, this is a Madonna Horvath thing, right? I mean, yes, but, like, I don't know that there's, like, a... Hmm, I Okay, I what I was about to say was, I don't know that there is a sexual element to this, but at the same time, like, the implications through metaphor and... I, I I don't know. Yasha, what do you think? I think you could read it as sexual if you wanted, and I think it's purposely that way, but it is not inherently sexual in and of itself. Like, yeah. That's, that's after having seen the episode already and yeah. having thought about it for quite some time. I think you can read it as sexual if that's what you think would be most damaging, but I don't think that it strongly implies that. I don't so much think that he wants to fuck his daughter. I think what's going on here is this guy's got some fucking hangups, and the specific way that they're kind of this dialogue is going right this second without further context, I guess. So we may as well continue because I need mm-hmm. to see that is kind of leading in, me in the direction of like there's some level of having given birth, having accomplished this like extremely biological purpose this person is less pure and beautiful yeah i could see that anyway he continues on saying your mother was ugly and stupid too she couldn't comprehend daddy's art listen well yuri (laughs) ugly children are loved by no one they don't have the right to be loved yuri you are ugly no one will ever love you at this rate myself included of course and yuri asks am i that ugly You are your mother's child, after all. But daddy can chip away the impurity from your body. Oh, gross. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Such that only beauty remains. Just as the great Michelangelo carved the magnificent David from a block of marble. So, this man is a serial killer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this would fit really well in Hannibal, actually. He is, at minimum, a serial abuser. Mods Mickelson delivering some of the speech in character as Hannibal would fucking make my day. Mm -hmm. This guy is like racing to the top or like trying to race to the top of like worst anime dads of all time. Yeah, he's in like record time. Yeah. He'd run intensely. By the way, this is a beautiful pipe he has. I really wish it would just like spontaneously burst into flame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So then he says he has a favor to ask of Yuri. Let daddy remodel you into a true beauty. Let daddy love you. After all, daddy can only love beautiful things. And Yuri is still kind of just horrified. He goes on saying that he wants to love her. You know, it's nice to see that the evangelical mindset is universal. Yeah. (laughs) Even in a country with only a, with less than 10% Christian population. Anyway, naturally, Yuri's like, I'll do anything. Oh boy, time for some child abuse. Again. (laughs) He says, good girl, Yuri. That's a good girl. You make your daddy very happy. Oh, Jesus, he's actually brandishing uh, the tool. He brandishes his chisel, Mm -hmm. which glints in the light. I was not kidding when I said this man is a fucking serial killer. He did this to his wife, didn't he? Well, the thing is, is like, also- You did what convinced me his wife is not dead. Yeah, maybe. I think she's dead. Oh, yeah, uh, like, I believe that, because she doesn't She doesn't ever appear in this episode. This yeah. man is a serial murderer with, like, an ego complex who killed this woman and is now, like, doing weird shit to his daughter. You cannot, cannot tell me this isn't serial killer shit. This oh, absolutely. A normal abusive parent and into the realm of the metaphor is so literal that this man is a serial killer. Well, mm-hmm. I I would say more that, like, he seems like the type of person who is so abusive that he ends up, he probably just abused his wife to death. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know oh, about you, but I get the feeling that Yuri's mom was a suicide. Yeah. Like, that's just the, the, I don't know, that's what I think it was implying. So, yeah, it. The implication is that he abused her until she killed herself, and now he's preying on her daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, his daughter. Yeah. You know what? She's not his daughter. Fuck him. Uh, yeah, we're adopting her? Is that it? <laughs> I was about to say, I am now CPS. I'm here for your kids. We need to remove them from this fucking abusive relationship. Yeah. And then Yuri comments on how the tower, the tower that looks like david was always visible through the window of daddy's atelier so tasteful so understated so understated and then we get a shot of a school and it appears to be art class because the kids are being told to pair up and draw each other's portraits yeah wow he broke her fucking arm yep Yuri's arm is in the sling. would like to say that just me personally my read on this episode is he is not literally using the chisel to abuse her but that this is like he is probably just uh, like abusing her through more traditional like abusive parent means and they are using the chisel and statue stuff as like the as the metaphor yeah that's that's kind of my read on it as well it's almost like the the emotional impact is as if he had taken a chisel to her body yes absolutely i'm gonna counter back with that and say that ikuhara is very very fucking good at doing visual metaphor that and very good at doing kind of like matched images that was one of the scenes that's like excessively literal it's kind of like fucking 
it's very much one of those things where it, it kind of reads to me like Akio f- fucking flipping onto the hood of the car every time, where it's like, this is a very heightened version of reality that this is taking place in, and this is obviously, this whole fucking car ride is on some level metaphorical, mm-hmm. but also in the world that this story is taking place in, this is literally happening. He's literally on the car. They are literally in the car. He is literally on the hood. I guess yeah. it just depends on, like, how much you take the the literality of it all. I think in the end, it's really left up to you how literal it all is. Yeah. Also, in Penguin Drum, when it's necessary, when it's uh, narratively appropriate, uh, Natsume can just fucking uh, turn an entire hospital into Silent Hill. So <laughs> we are well beyond the level where a chisel being used as kind of a mundane tool of abuse in a way that's not even given the damage here. This is not even that out there for what he was doing. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I-, I think he probably literally did take the chisel to her. Okay. I mean, the, the episode again, having watched it all, you cannot say yeah. for sure one way or another. I think it is just left up to the viewer. Yeah. Anyway, Yuri is... Uh... Also, Balrog have wings to bait me. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri is in the classroom and has not been picked to pair up with anybody. And so she thinks to herself that he was right. And the ugly are chosen by no one. Until... And then Momoka shows up and asks, would you let me draw you? Yuri's like, why me? And Momoka says, because you're really beautiful. I really like Momoka's English voice actor. She has like a, she has like a very saccharine quality to her voice, but she also sounds a lot like Ringo. So there's sort of that like familial resemblance there. But when she's talking about Yuri, she's like, because I think you're really pretty, Yuri. And I don't know. It's just very endearing. Big (laughs) fan. Momoka actually wins an award for her picture of Yuri. She says she's never won an award before. I guess I was just blessed with a great model. And she tells Yuri to call her Momoka instead of Oganomi. And they walk home together and feed the ducks. Momoka always feeds them on her way home. And asks Yuri if she likes the ducks. And Yuri says, no, I hate them. Which, you know, that's kind of understandable. She asks Momoka if she's ever heard of the ugly duckling story and says she hates it. Because it's all lies. How can an ugly duckling possibly become a beautiful swan overnight? Yuri does not understand the story. Yeah. Bless her heart. She says ugly things have to endure whatever pain it takes to become beautiful. And the camera is focused on her sling and her bandaged arm. They have to endure until they become beautiful. Only then can they be loved. And Momoka asks, but are there really ugly ducklings? Was that really such a good swan? (laughs) (laughs) I saw a baby swan in the zoo before, but I never thought it was ugly. I think everything in this world is beautiful, says Momoka. The sky, birds, bugs, frogs, flowers, and even rocks. Because if God created this world, could there really be anything dirty and ugly in it? It's very sweet. Yuri says there is. And we see a shot of uh, her father's tower. Your dad? Call me Yuri. Uh, yeah. I, she runs away. Momoka asks about her dad and Yuri like flips out. But as she's running away, says, call me Yuri. Which, to be clear, that is kind of a we are friends now intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Rather than Tokikago. And we cut to dad standing in front of the window with the 
tower looming in the background. Looming behind him. And there it's he is clearly with his moral oral dad pipe. God. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, no moral like oral's dad is still worse, but like I had to think about it for a second. I don't know how bad Oral's dad is because I don't know what you're talking about. So to me, you've never this heard of like, Moral Oral. I've never. Coming soon, an entirely new podcast where Yasha has this stop motion animation hell inflicted on her. <laughs> no, it, no, it's actually it's just going to be Alice and I talking about Moral Oral. That that would like that would be good and traumatizing for the both of us. I think it's kind of hard for me to see anybody as worse than this dad, but. Uh, I'll trust take me. Take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, he's he's complaining that she's home late and asks if she took a detour and whether she made a friend. And she says she did. Yeah, that's great. Is she nice? Yuri blushes. Then you can't trust her. Love abusers. Mm-hmm. Nice girls are nice to everyone to appeal just how nice they are. Those girls will say nice things to your face and stab you in the back. Do not trust strangers. And this, of course, like, shocks Yuri to her core. He says only blood-related family members can be trusted. Family members never lie. As it pans over the shot of his chisels hanging in their rack. Yep. Pure and beautiful love exists only within family. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's just classic family abuser type shit. Yeah. I really hope that, like, this guy just fucking gets, like, shanked in the back with his own chisel. He says that he's the only person who can truly love her. And she's tearing up with gratitude. Hurry over here if you understand. And we get a shot of, like, just her legs. And I'm just struck by how frail and tiny she is. Yeah. Like, this, this kid's barely getting nourished. The implication as I read it here is at this point she's nude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take that as well. Yeah. And of course she walks over to him. We get a shot of her lying down and then a couple Notably, of chisels. Notably, it was the same shot from the beginning of the episode. Oh god. And we get a very uh, episode 33-esque yep, sort of that is. partial shot of like her hip and her hand. You can tell this is censored because you can't see any vagina bones. <laughs> Me turning to the turning to the audience. Man, it took Ikuhara like a whole fucking couple of years after this show to use his ability to do like mildly censored nudes for anything other than horror. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's to say, Yuri Kuma was just proving he could. He put the horror in different places. Right after the shot where it was of Yuri's hip, we get a pan across a leg that looks like it's broken off a statue. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to the school again. And that's why I said that it's I that I take it as more metaphorical because we see her bandaged up leg, but the visual metaphor was not to like. I think you can take it either way. You can take it as he is literally using the chisel on her or not, but that's just like one of the the reasons that I took it as more of like just being metaphorical. I mean, I I can vibe with that, but also yeah, that still seems very literal. I think it still works both ways for sure. Don't talk to me again. I can yeah. never call. Yeah. Momoka runs up to Yuri and Yuri basically just cuts her off. Momoka doesn't understand. Sees the new addition on her leg. 
And Yuri says, I won't trust you, and walks away. Yep, and now she's got another face. Yep. This is a few days later. Momoka has apparently called her out to meet her after school, which I guess I thought for some reason I, I misremembered them as like having lunch in this scene, which is why I said that earlier. But um, <laughs> I just, I watched this a couple days ago. For a forgettable luncheon. You know what it is? It's that episode 33 stink. <laughs> you just can't, you just can't help but associate lunch with this. Mm, I, I wonder if we can have octopus wieners. Momoka <laughs> says that she invited Yuri out here because she wants Yuri to trust her. Yuri says, "Leave me alone. You only talk to me out of pity because I'm so ugly and pathetic." And Momoka says, "That's not true. I love you a lot, Yuri." And Yuri says, "That's a lie. You only love yourself for being nice." So Momoka says, would you believe me if I let you in on my secret? And we get more shots of the statue looming over them. Now they're sat in chairs in the middle of what looks like a, pr- a playground. And Yuri asks, what secret? Momoka says, I can transfer onto another fate by chanting a spell from this diary and praying to God. Interesting. Then I can transfer onto another fate, just like making a transfer on the subway. Yuri tells her she's not making any sense. Yeah. Momoko's just like, this is our little secret, okay? I transferred the rabbit at school onto another fate. Yuri's like, that's ridiculous. That rabbit's always been healthy. But Momoka says, no, that rabbit was supposed to die. But I used the spell and changed her fate. The scenery of the world changes when a fate is changed, says Momoka. But no one notices the change. But my body remembers. And she holds up her finger with a bandage on it. Yuri asks, what's that? And Momoka says, that's the price. You get punished when you use the the spell to transfer fate. Nothing without cost. Full metal alchemist engaged. I mean, yeah, like all of the, there's like a bunch of like what looks like subway map markings on the ground around them. And it it does feel a little full metal alchemist-y. I was about to say, Momoka has cracked human transmutation already. We should we are not more prepared. <laughs> so she asks Yuri if she would like to transfer to another fate. At this rate, you'll die. So I'll free you using my spell. I wouldn't mind getting another bandage for you. And Yuri's just like, don't be stupid. How can I be free? That tower is my daddy. He's always watching me. As long as that tower still stands, I'll never... She cut to the underside of a helicopter... Which we have been cutting to the this entire time. Like mm-hmm. I think it's neat how they use the imagery of the tower and the helicopters as like they're always looming, they're always overwatching, they're mm-hmm. always like yeah. around. Well, the parent, you know, they're omnipresent in their child's life, it's hard to escape them. Mm-hmm. Talk about a helicopter parent. I thought about saying that and then restrained myself because I thought it was <laughs> Too easy, too too low hanging. Not me, baby. Panda refuses to be fear to fear the cringe. <laughs> Embrace your cringe. And that is why Panda will always, you will always be stronger than me. <laughs> oh my god, my brain just made the oh god, it's the fucking tower. Yeah. What? Oops, all towers day. Mm-hmm. Like the tarot card, the tower. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least that's what I, I assumed Cass meant. Yeah, no, I just, my brain just went like, they're talking about a tower, and the particular way this su- little subway figure that we're looking at is drawn, they just went like, 
Oh, that kind of looks like the guy falling out of the tower on the Tarot card. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see Kuhara using Tarot card imagery. Anyway, so Momoka's like, so I just have to make the tower disappear then. And Yuri's like, I don't believe you. That's a lie. You can't make the tower disappear. Momoka insists that she can. Yuri says, is messing with me really that fun? Is it because I'm ugly? But that will end today. My daddy told me. Everything will end today. Tomorrow, Al. And Momoka interjects, no, you'll die before that. Please don't. But Yuri says, no. If I have to live without ever being loved, I'd rather die and become a swan. She runs off and says, liar, I hate you. Damn, Momoka. That's rough. And we see daddy in front of the window with the tower behind him again. He says a new chisel from... It says Ferenz. In the dub, they just say Florence. Yeah. They're the same place. Okay. It is the same place. Uh, Has finally arrived. And it's like a a very shiny, big chisel with like the, like an embossed David figure on it. Are you sure that he's not doing ritual murder? (laughs) He says it's the piece de resistance. You'll become something daddy will love for all eternity. My ultimate masterpiece. A corpse. Are you ready? Yes, daddy. She says. We see the shot of her naked legs again. Again, like just highlighting how frail she looks. Mm -hmm. All right. Time for an eye catch. (laughs) Yeah, eye catch time. Hooray. I'm so glad that we've had an incredibly normal series of episodes so far. Anyway, our next (laughs) guest is Double H. (laughs) And now for the weather. So Hamari is at the hospital and she's watching TV and she sees that the double H girls are wearing the scarves that she made and they even had their costumes done to match the scarves. Whoever's interviewing them asks if the scarves are from someone important and they say a precious friend of ours knitted them for us. They will remember Hamari threw them in the garbage can last episode. So how did they get the scarves? Because Sonatoshi took it. And we get a cut to Sanatoshi's office, the two bunnies and the Ori, and yep. Kamba saying, here's the full payment. How electrifying. He says, are you satisfied now? Hurry up and cure Himari. Sanatoshi <laughs> says, you're no fun. And Himari busts into the room. <laughs> she says, doctor, those scarves, double H. They're wearing those scarves on TV. How? Was it you? And the the two rabbit boys are standing in the doorway, clapping in tandem, saying, How electrifying. How electrifying. And Sanatoshi's just like, it's no big deal. Himari says, I didn't tell him anything, but the doctor sent the scarves to Hibari and Hikari for me. (laughs) Meanwhile. (laughs) Yeah. This is entirely too cute after all of the shit that preceded it. It really is. It's Penguin number one, and he's like dressed up like he's going to an idol concert, and he has little glow sticks. And then Sunny, Penguin number three, is dressed up in like Himari's double H, triple H uniform with like a pink wig. It's so cute. The little microphone. She's on like a little stage and there's like lights flashing and everything. And Penguin number one is dancing along. He's doing the fucking fucking glow sticks. By the way, I just want to throw this out there. It just occurred to me that Sunny 
throwing on wigs has been a consistent visual gag. And it's mm. just now occurred to me that one of the reasons that works so well is that my brain subconsciously associates wigs with terminal illness and cancer. Ah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. true, isn't it? I mm-hmm. did not make that connection until now, and my brain just went like, God fucking damn it. I don't even know if that was on purpose, but it works. Yeah. And I think Sonny's the only one that puts on wigs. Yeah. Yep. Both one and two will put on little costumes, but not wigs. I was like, at first I was like, oh, it's because she's the girl penguin. It's like, no, because they never do that with Esmeralda. Yeah. Yeah. Esmeralda's busy doing other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Esmeralda's busy doing those, like, centerfold shots. I'm still not over the Esmeralda grab here either. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Sanatoshi asks Kanba if he's upset that he sent the scarves to Double H, and Kanba's like, no, I appreciate it. But how did you know about the idols? It's a doctor's job to know everything about his patients. That's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Doctors know so little about their patients a lot of the time. (laughs) Exactly. They try to get away knowing the least amount they possibly can. (laughs) And then he asks, are you really that insecure about whether your sister loves you? And Kampa's like, what the fuck? And so am I. Sanitoshi continues, don't you think families are a f- sort of fantasy, a curse of sorts? I'm always think saying about it. this. Just how many children suffer because they're bound to their family. And I mean, that's like pretty pertinent to Kamba, Shoma, and Himari's situation where they're suffering just because they're bound to their family. Their parents mm-hmm. were terrorists. But Sanitoshi continues on, parents who treat their children as objects in the name of love abusing them clearly alluding to yuri without maybe knowing that he's alluding to yuri <laughs> they only love themselves yet kids must love their parents solely because they're family and love their siblings and then we get a scene transfer onto the subway why are they swinging on oh my god they're they're they're, they're just abusing this poor guy for this poor masochist yeah double h is hanging a dude over the fire and whipping him yeah, again, it's a masochism. Yeah. You know, if I weren't watching, I would just assume you were just having me on. No. <laughs> it's a wild couple of sentences to have there. No, I, I assure you, listeners, we are not having you on. This just happened. Any, anyway, I mean, wouldn't it be easier on you if they weren't your family? What are you talking about? The thought never even crossed my mind. And Sanatoshi's like, that's good to hear. And this must be in Kampa's memory because he's on the subway right now. Also, yep. the... uh. The double H banner says, don't play with straps. <laughs> well, it was an actual fucking subway message because it's the, the whole strap. Why would you do that? <laughs> I am in pain. I am hurting, Ikuhara, and you are responsible. I want you to take responsibility. <laughs> and cut back to the traumatizing room we started in. Womp womp. Yep, with uh, Ringo still stretched out on the bed in Shibari, Shoma is unconscious beside her, and Yuri is kneeling in front of the bed. She says, Momoka, I guess it has to be you. So, and then we hear, gosh, I must crush her soon, which means it's (laughs) Natsume time, baby! (laughs) She's disguised as the maid, clearing away their meal. By the way, have you seen her yet? I hear a famous actress is staying here tonight. 
it's all the buzz among the housekeepers. <laughs> this is really, really weird and like very intrusive. Personally, if I had somebody come into the room while I was engaged in weird sexual practices, whether legal or not, I would not want them there. But Yuri seems okay with this. I think he's just sort of like, she might just be struck, like, because... You know, what do you, what do you do in a situation like that? You like, you know, sometimes you fight or you freeze. I, I guess. I can't bring myself to love celebrities. They're always desperate for love, Natsume says to Yuri. Meanwhile, I, Natsume, have never been desperate for the love or affection of anyone in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Natsume says they were never told they were needed when they were little. And we see a shot of the window with the chisel hovering in it spinning notably the tower is not in the window that's why they're consumed by the desire to make up for their childhood it has to be you they're always seeking such words yuri's just like what are you trying to say bitch (laughs) (laughs) you want to throw hands he says i'm taking the other half of the diary (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that, that fucking quick change there Yuri's, or not Yuri's, Natsume's uh, housekeeper outfit just falls to the ground and she's in a swimsuit with her slingshot gun already in her hand. And then we see the this outside the of the resort. This is wrestling match that's ever been written. And I cannot wait to see this on NJPW later. <laughs> we see the outside of the resort and shattered glass because something's coming through the window. Something falls into the pool. A couple of my God, she's gone straight through the Spanish announcers' table. <laughs> oh my- <laughs> no, you cannot be real. Natsume tries to shoot Yuri with her paintball gun, and Yuri manages to deflect the capsule bullet with her ping pong paddle. <laughs> And the capsule bullet thing uh, hits penguin number two's banana that he was about to take a big chomp out of. Very sad. Very sad. Not bad, but don't underestimate actresses. So you have the other half of the diary. What if I did? It won't be only half for much longer. That's all there is to it. Looks like neither of us are willing to back down. Natsume calls on Esmeralda. Esmeralda turns out the lights. I appreciate that. Uh, oh, there they are. The night vision goggles are back. <laughs> yeah, Natsume's got her night vision goggles. No matter how much they pamper you, you'll always be waking up from a nightmare all alone. A pitiful woman who has to be constantly needed by someone to be at ease. You talk as if you've seen it all. Yes, I've researched you quite thoroughly. And we're getting shots of like little flashes of action as if they're lit by a strobe light mm-hmm. of the, the ball's flying back and forth and Yuri deflecting them and shots of the night vision goggles and such. And then Esmeralda turns on a spotlight, which blinds Yuri and causes her towel to fly off and the diary to fall out. (laughs) Natsume grabs the half of the diary and dives off the cliff. Which, you know, we didn't know there was a cliff, but I guess it seems appropriate. I think we did see an exterior of the resort earlier that showed it was near the edge of a cliff. So we did see it once. Okay, that's fair. It's in the scene where uh, Shoma realizes he he says, oh shit, I'm not in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Shoma's awake now. Shoma finally wakes up and Ringo is uh, completely covered lying in bed. 
and has her sleeping. clothes on again. He says nothing happened, right? And Yuri says, "Oh, why don't you take advantage of her?" The fuck are you saying, Yuri? Yuri says someone came to steal the diary while you were passed out here. Don't worry. The rat took the bait and escaped into the sea. You have to leave your valuables in the safe. So what has happened is that Yuri made a double of the diary half, and that is what Natsume stole. And Yuri does admit that she was the one who stole half of the diary from Ringo. By the way, I'd I'd like to confirm, because we can see the back of the diary, which has been harder to get shots of. They normally do the front, which has the twin sea serpents. It has a turtle. The sea turtle on the back. Yeah, this is 100%. This is a dragon palace reference. Okay. This is the story of Urashimataro. I don't know this story. Urashimataro is kind of a famous Japanese folktale, mm-hmm. uh, as is the dragon palace. The dragon palace is this fantastical palace under the sea uh, filled with, like, it's got a whole kingdom down there of people who live forever. Mm-hmm. And the story of Urashima Taro is the story about a poor fisherman who helps a sea turtle and is rewarded for that by being taken to the Dragon Palace where he falls in love with the princess. And after a while, he kind of goes like, oh, I've, I've been here. I've really enjoyed being here, but I should go home and see my parents and tell them I'm okay. And she's like, Urashima, you've been here for like 80 years in the outside <laughs> world. They're, your parents are super dead. And he insists on going back anyway. He gets sent back with a strict instruction to not open a box that he takes with him, which mm-hmm. contains his more, basically, the his time debt. Mm-hmm. Long story short, he gets back, finds out that no one recognizes him or his and his parents have been dead for years, accidentally opens the box, ages instantly and dies. <laughs> well, isn't that cheery? Yeah, it is. I'm not sure, the thing is I'm not 100% sure why this particular reference is being made here. I am sure Mm -hmm. we will either find out or not. But it it could just be the fact that, like, the Dragon Palace more generally is known for having, like, all these wondrous magical treasures in it. And Mm -hmm. it could be a hint at, like, the diary is in some way actually magical. Well, we're gonna get a little bit on on that pretty quick here. Mm Mm-hmm. So Yuri holds the diary and says, I absolutely must have this diary. And we go back to a flashback. Yuri, the room where that tower can be seen. The ugly duckling play. Final act. I saw her love through the window. It was a fated encounter. I was forgiven for my sins. Hey kids, you know who else got involved with something that his dad didn't, he didn't want to do that his dad wanted him to do? Jesus. Yeah. Also Momoka's on fire. Yep. Momoka is straight up on fire. fire. And Yuri wakes up in a room full of statues. In her dad's room full of statues. Yeah. On like a work surface. Yeah. And says, Daddy? And then goes to look out the window. And she sees the tower is different. Presumably the tower is now replaced by Tokyo Tower. And instead of the ending credits, we get more show because... Ikuhara is just like that sometimes. Also, all of her injuries seem better. Yep. Yeah. And she says the scenery really has changed. Was it really because of Momoka's spell? And then we see an ambulance with a crowd of people around it. And someone says the girl suddenly burst into flames. And we see the base of Tokyo Tower in the bottom. Mm -hmm. This was the price that Momoka paid. Yeah. Yuri sees Momoka's body being carted into the ambulance. And we cut to a hospital, and Momoka says, Daddy isn't coming back. He won't ever again. 
he was left behind with that tower. And Yuri says, you used your spell? And Momoka says, yes. This is the price of setting me free then? Why did you do something like that? Yuri goes to touch the diary and Momoka says, no. You can't, can't come near the transfers. transfers. You'll lose things important to you as payment. Yuri starts to cry. Yeah. And asks, then why did you... Oh, Momoka God, says, it. because I love you a lot, Yuri. Momoka is basically the only good person in this world. You're, You're beautiful, beautiful the way, way you are, are now. Momoka disappeared after that incident. Momoka had taken another transfer. The scenery of the world changed. And this is older Yuri speaking. Looking up at Tokyo Tower. She says, this time I'll use the diary's spells to transfer to another fate. I will bring Momoka back to this world. Wait, hold on. Is the implication there... I just got this. Is the implication that the reason that the sarin gas attacks were replaced by whatever Shoma's parents did, that Momoka did a transfer? Maybe? That's something that we'll find out more about later. Okay. Not in this episode, because this episode is over, pretty much. Yep, we get our teaser for the next episode. It's just Esmeralda and Penguin number one sitting... Looks like they're sitting on like a porch step and there's a roof over them. Yeah, okay. I was having trouble parsing this, but you're right. Yeah, they're sitting under a porch that's covered and there is like a fish that is on top of the roof and it is sort of flopping. And what did that say? That man dominates everything in the world, the present. The diary falls in front of the two penguins. So I have decided to crush him. Or is that the diary? That's not I the diary. I was going to say, it looks similar, it looks but similar, different. But yeah, it's it's maybe a textbook or something. Esmeralda <laughs> pulls in Penguin number one and kisses him. And the last shot of the show is, I guess that is Momoka. Yeah, that's Momoka because it's that's the dress that she was wearing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. She's holding a book and there are papers flying out of it in a way that looks like angel wings and it says survival strategy arrived from friends and that's it that was the episode that was the episode wow yeah so i guess you can see why i wanted to be on for this episode yeah i do that was really dense it was wasn't it a it lot was... of things happen all at once there mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely so allison cass how are you feeling about this you know, in comparison to last last episode. I'm definitely in higher spirits than I was last time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, because we know that nothing too terrible happened to Ringo, and we have some insight now into why Yuri is so obsessed with Momoka. Yeah. Which I think that's I think that's a pretty decent reason to be obsessed. Oh sure. No, we're upset like the rest of I'm not saying that anything else makes sense here, but like the obsession angle definitely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not I'm not defending what she does, but we do have a reason. It's not like she's just a cackling villain kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I remember that was part of like Alice was sort of wary about that in the last episode. So yeah, I was kind of wondering how you feel now. Um a little torn. On one hand, um I really like what this does for giving us information about this character. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting explanation for how this character, why this character is the way she is in this, in the narrative. Mm -hmm. My base level weariness about 
characters who totally have good reasons, I promise, is still kind of there, even when it's a good one. I just, there are so many of them at this point that it's just hard not to feel that way. Sure. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. this is one of the better ones in the sense that, on one hand, this is a better one in the sense that, like, there's a lot of shit going on. The stuff about Momoka actually, I feel like, really works really well. The part about her dad also works, but I, there was a voice in the back of my head going, okay, are we doing a abused people, abuse others, because that's a really fraught thing to do, and it's not strictly always wrong, but, like, that one can get... Yeah, a bit. but that then we get, get the really moment hairy. apart. I'm like, okay, this is actually way more compelling. Mm-hmm. As a, this it just explains everything so much better. Kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, like um, I feel like this episode doesn't excuse Yuri for last episode, but I feel like it explains her actions yeah. and why she might yeah. take those actions, and the the whole setup of the continuing abuse that yuri was enduring and the whole you you have to be this way or else no one will love you and only i can truly love you that kind of abusive relationship resonates with me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's very unfortunate that yuri felt that she was driven to try and get momoka back by any means possible yeah and again, like I don't feel like this excuses her actions. That was clearly and terribly wrong what she did to Ringo. Mm-hmm. She seems to have pulled up at the last second, though. It definitely, it definitely does a really good job of contextualizing the episode that comes before it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not like I would like to to probably say that. I'm not my my objection was less of a I expect the characters in anime that I like to be like some kind of moral paragons or something. Sure. And more of a kind of um awareness about a specific kind of trope that I don't like. Yeah. But no, like mm-hmm. I, I honestly I, I think that the Momoka part of this it works. It contextualizes why this character is this way. It really provides a be- weirdly enough, a believable reason for her to be this way that doesn't come across as sort of low-hanging fruit yeah this is really messed up and very much in, intertwined with a with a lot of trauma and yeah if, if someone magicked away all of my problems like this and then like disappeared i would probably i would probably get obsessed with trying to find him too oh yasha i hmm. finally made the connection to that other murakami <laughs> The one that yeah, about. I knew you would. I knew you would. It's just, I knew it would just take me a minute. Sputnik Sweetheart. Sputnik Sweetheart, yeah. The one that was ref- sort of referenced in uh, the episode where Himari goes to the library. Yeah, I don't really remember what the plot synopsis of Sputnik Sweetheart was, but I do know that it involved somebody transferring fates. It involved a girl disappearing also, so. Yeah. Yeah. And like the girl was transferred to a different fate or something like that. Yeah, so, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we have proof that the diary actually is magical. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do we feel about that? You know, after months and months and months of not knowing what the Penguin Drum was going to be, I'm glad to know that, at minimum, the Princess of the Crystal was actually sending them after the diary for a reason. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. Also, now that we know what Momoka looks like, because that's been secret to us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's who Sanatoshi pushed off of the thing the in the uh, the big endless library when uh, we had that mm-hmm. tricky scene after Himari's death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with the implication that she is in some way in the hat. Is Momoka the yes. princess of the crystal? Well, you don't tell me if Momoka was the princess of the crystal. We will see how all this comes out. I mean, I feel like you've put the pieces all together. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're that's what we're supposed to be getting. Yeah. So oh, so, so Momoka's the prince but that how hats <laughs> What do you mean, how? The cosmology of Penguin Drum is very weird, and I would like to have a long and lengthy explanation of what is happening, <laughs> I mean, you still have quite a few episodes left. Yeah, we're, like, only barely halfway through, like... Yeah, I, I, I guess, like, the new the new goal... Uh, ha- the goal has shifted from what is Penguin Drum to... Hold on! <laughs> <laughs> I have many questions that I require answers to in no particular order. Uh, but yeah, like, I guess we've reached the answer arc of Penguin Drum. Well, part of it. Or I mean, this is... We, we've begun the answer arc of Penguin Drum. You're gonna get drip-fed answers from here on in, kind of. Yeah. I will say this does explain the animosity that the Princess of the Crystal has for Ringo. Yep. Because you yeah. remember how she was calling her a pervert and all kinds of nasty names all the time. I'm not saying that I would react the same way, but if I found out that I had a younger sister who was basically trying to steal my space in the world, I probably wouldn't be too too <laughs> happy with her either. Yep. Also, the fact that she is very specifically sh- shitty to uh, everyone is kind of hilarious in retrospect now, because that's very much not how Mobuka acted in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're getting the idea that, I mean, well, maybe we're not getting the idea yet, but if we are to believe that Momoka is the princess of the crystal, but also, like, this is the first time we are seeing her, I think it is safe to say that there is more to Momoka than any of us knows so far. And I know that not, I don't know any of the specifics or what any of it means, but I do get the impression that she has a an even bigger presence in the new movie that has come out than mm-hmm. she did in the anime just based on some some stuff that i have seen out mm-hmm. of context so so fan servers get to work on that come on yeah yeah we can't know if we talk about it again it's zencaster's gonna crash again <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if if it doesn't get fan subbed, then we could always try watching the movie without any subs and and see how much we can piece together. Yeah, I definitely like if there are not subtitles by the time we have finished doing the anime, like I plan on just watching it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like I'll watch it, but I can't I know that uh, even the first part movie, uh, because it is two two movies. Mm hmm. I know that even the first part gets to some, like, endgame stuff in some of what it does, even if, like, the person that I was talking to about it also was watching it unsubbed and does not know enough Japanese to 
know what the movie was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but based on imagery alone, apparently it does get to some like endgame-ish territory. So I'm well, interested you know, what? In I that. kind of wonder just how much you the having the translation would clear things up because this mm-hmm. is Ikuhara after all. Mm-hmm. So even if we know what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> exactly so Cass I'm we heard Alice's reaction to the episode but we didn't hear much of yours I admit that this is you know I kind of understand what you mean when you said that this does not really buy me any piece for 14 but it was also a very interesting look into who Yuri is as a character yeah mm-hmm I will say the one mercy it did buy me is there is kind of an implication that things didn't go super far with her and Ringo. I, yeah, I feel fairly confident in saying that she didn't actually do anything like past. I mean, well, okay. I don't like the phrase. She didn't actually, she didn't like. It didn't progress to a, to an invasive sexual assault. Yeah. Like there was definitely the beginnings of everything there. And like Ringo was tied up and like, Yuri was on top of her and stuff, but like, I don't think Yuri actually went through with what was clearly being set up because yeah. of mm-hmm. uh, Shoma showing up and then all of the stuff with Natsume. Yeah. I think yeah. she might have if Natsume hadn't shown up. There's like a, there's a, because she was just like down by Ringo's feet at that time. So we have no idea whether or not she was actually going to progress things as she intended until Natsume interrupted. But yeah, it it was certainly, certainly was a thing that happened. <laughs> I will say that I, I am not certain this episode needed the peril or creepiness of Yuri trying to sexually assault Ringo. Mm-hmm. Because I have insight into why she is obsessed with bringing Momoka back. Mm-hmm. I have every reason to think she'd have an unhealthy fixation on Ringo. Mm-hmm. But also, what she's clearly actually after is the diary. Because mm-hmm. she wants to basically do the whole wish for Momoka to come back thing. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't want to tell Ikuhara his business, so I won't. <laughs> but also, was it really necessary to have Ringo yeah. getting sexually assaulted by someone she had, up until this point, kind of every reason to trust? Mm-hmm. You know, was it really worth that? In some ways, the... the because, like, I, I think in some ways the real payoff for that is not us getting that backstory. It's the interaction between Shoma and Yuri, where Shoma wakes up, sees Ringo out on the ground, goes, oh good, nothing actually happened. And Yuri just goes, why don't you take advantage of her? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a very fucked up thing to say, even as a way to needle Shoma, and kind of only makes sense if you understand the very warped mindset that it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And if this was coming not after Yuri had absolutely done, you know, a sex crime, I think that would have been a very effective way of going like, oh, she is very far gone. Mm-hmm. But it comes after that, so... You still have, oh, she is very far gone, but also, like, we knew that already. Yeah. 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 I have actually a question for uh, the group here. What's with the Shibari? (laughs) Like, 
It feels like it's a okay. So it's obviously a callback joke to the fact that Bondage has been a sight gag several times now. Mm-hmm. Why is it here? Every other time, it's actually been a pretty great gag. Mm-hmm. This one, it just feels like I can't help but read it as a callback to that. It's just I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm just not sure why. Okay, I can make two guesses here. One is just the fact that it's a red rope. So red is a traditional... Oh shit, you're right! I didn't think about the whole like red string fate thingy. Yeah, red's a traditional color for, for lovers as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other reason is that shibari, like, as an actual practice, is... Wasn't it originally a tying up prisoners thing? So that is... Cause that, or is that a myth? Suspension shibari is supposedly from this, yes. That's that, like... That's the gag that they did on the train. But from what mm-hmm. I understand, the practice of Shibari as, like, an intimacy thing is very, very specifically, like, kind of a ritualized thing. Mm-hmm. And in this context, it's a way to show that not only is this extremely premeditated, like, Yuri has obviously put a lot of thought into this, mm-hmm. but also it's kind of conveying, like, there is a specific desire going on from her to... It would be basically, like, the only way I could think of to do this for an English audience would be if, like, she had, like, a copy of the fucking Kama Sutra open on the bed. Mm. Like, that kind of... Basically, like, I feel like what what you're getting at is that it's establishing a kind of intimacy, although not necessarily with Ringo. Yes. Like, and that intimacy is being used as basically a form of torture. Yeah, she's... On... Yeah, she's on using her helpless sexual experience Ringo. and knowledge as a weapon. Yeah, and that's that's what's going on there. Mm-hmm. That's probably why that's there. But to be honest, like I don't know. There is like a tiny rebellious part of me that's just like I don't know. Ikuhara thought it would make the shot compositions look better than just having Ringo naked. <laughs> well, it does imply just how helpless Ringo is too, because yeah. Like, when you see the ropes and she's not struggling against them, you remember that she's drugged, too. Yeah. It pretty effectively conveys what the stakes are at every given opportunity. It's like a very, you know, it, it, it's it's doing some, some heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. I did not expect to get kink-shamed by Ikuhara today, but here we are, kids. Here we are. <laughs> but I feel like there's also an element of, like, when the joke goes bad. Because it's been used as a joke in several other scenes. And then we got this one where it's like, oh, that's not funny anymore. Yeah. I was going to say, because last time we had bondage imagery, like, that was actual bondage imagery, was fucking Shoma getting kidnapped by Natsume. You, mm-hmm. I, that's a really good point, actually, Yasha. I definitely did think about the other times that has been a joke and go, huh, you know, those are actually pretty bad, too. But they were more obviously comedic. But now that I think about them... I'm horrified. That is a little horrifying, just like a little bit now. Yeah. So if, if, if that was the intention, I, I would say that absolutely that hit the nail on the head. hundred percent. Yeah. That that's what I feel like it, it is. That's what I feel that they were trying to get at, that there was this knowing element of, Oh yeah, this has been a joke up until now, but it's actually horrible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's what I think of the Shibari. I just keep flashing back to those chisels, though. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, On that note. Ah! Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like, can we... I realize that I'm probably being very annoying for overreacting to her, to Riri's dad in the rawness of my first reaction, but I also, don't think. You oh no, 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 no! I think you are reacting appropriately. I've just yeah. seen this episode twice. I think it's very justified, and I've seen the episode several times. <laughs> but uh, like, oh God, I I really hated that. I hated everything about it. Very uncomfortable. Ten out of ten. Great episode. Fuck you, Ikuhara. I'll see you again next week. <laughs> yeah. For real. Very much in that space of, like, my relationship with Ikuhara as a storyteller is currently, fuck you, I hate you, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But also... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of where Vana and I have been for years now, is just, like, fuck that man. Like, just fuck him, that bastard man. <laughs> this weird goblin bastard man who wrote my favorite anime and also this mm-hmm. you guys have been saying that like all along and every time i'm like i don't know like i really like ikahara i'm not sure why everyone always says this but no i'm, I'm kind of on board <laughs> yeah on board the fucking i understand right? now that we've all met- metamorphosed and we've come around the event horizon to join yasha and vana where they've always been <laughs> i'm for us all to admit that the real truth of Penguin Drum is that this is the test of whether or not you are a true Ikuhara fan. Because <laughs> <laughs> only, tr- only true fans of Ikuhara would have made it through the sarin gas attack reference to this and not immediately just hit the button that says, I need out. Yeah. <laughs> this is like... So much fucking shit happens in every Ikuhara anime, and this is the only one that I can think of where, like, I can unironically say I have been kind of triggered by this. Penguin yeah. Drum is definitely the the Ikuhara anime I've seen that hits me in the rawest places, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It gets mm-hmm. the, the most direct, actual, like, this is not a bit, I'm not exaggerating. This is my actual emotional unfiltered reaction to what I'm seeing. And it's mostly done that in positive ways. And then the last few episodes in a row, it has been wholly just trying to like hit me right in the, oh, I am not okay vibes. Mm-hmm. Sure hope the next episode isn't this much of a downer. <laughs> uh, as I recall, no. I haven't watched it, so not sure. Oh, good. I guess we'll just get to see. Well, it looks like we're uh, towards the end anyway, so do we want to just wrap up? Yeah. Sure? Yeah, we should. All right. Well, uh, listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtsnaCast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at Lyrewolf. That is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Cass, where can people find that podcast that you and Alice do? Do you like real robots, cool robots, some combination thereof? Join us for Big Steppy, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And find us on Twitter at SteppyCast. For as long as there will be a Twitter. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, Yasha, where can you and your lovely wife be found on the internet? We can always be found at O-H-T-O-R-I dot N-U. And uh, yeah, as long as Twitter hasn't burnt down at O-H-T-O-R-I underscore N-U. And thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, uh, ah, 
I just want to say one last thing about this episode. Mm -hmm. It is unfortunately my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good episode. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it it makes sense. It is extremely valid. (laughs) I do not think less of you. (laughs) After everything, I would say, one, this was a really good episode. There's lots to talk about. We talked about a lot of it. Two, you know, I'm glad that you were here. I probably would not appreciate this episode as much if, if you had not been here. Because oh, well, thank you. Every time that we watch some, we watch a Cooney thing that like I'm not gonna have a good reaction to, and you are here, you end up talking me into it, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm always better for the experience of having been talked into it. I like to think that she talks you through it. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's fair. I'm like a therapist, but for Ikuhara shows. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do that on Twitter or you can uh, email us at imaginemeetsna at gmail.com. Or if you would like to come on the show, you can fill out the Google form that is in our pinned tweet. And that's it. So I guess it's time for us to, on three, we're all going to say survival tactic. All right. Three, two, one. Survival Survival tactic. tactic!